This is the Handmade Brooklyn Podcast, Episode 4. Handmade Brooklyn Business Lifestyles Tips to Succeed HandmadeBrooklyn.com Hey guys, welcome to Handmade Brooklyn. My name is Megan, and I'm going to be hanging out with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. This is so exciting. I am really enjoying podcasting, and I hope you're enjoying listening to me too. Uh, First things first, I really want to thank Shopify today for helping us out on Handmade Brooklyn. I have used Shopify for my e-commerce before, and they are just so cool. It's so nice and refreshing to have a company that will manage your e-commerce, your hosting, anything that you need for your uh, shop platform, you can head to them. They're actually offering everyone a 14-day free trial. You don't even need to use your credit card. All you got to do is go to handmadebrooklyn.com slash Shopify, and that'll take you right to the sign-up page for them. Like I said, it's 14-day free trial. Give it a shot if you're looking to upgrade your website or have a more stable e-commerce platform. It's just easy. I love them. So today I want to talk about (laughs) something that is probably going to give me sweaty palms and make me a little anxious, but I want to talk about failing and why you shouldn't be afraid of it. I think this is going to be a pretty popular episode because I'm going to talk about how I've failed in my own business and the lessons that I've learned or that I'm learning from them. The reason I wanted to talk about my own failures is because so many different companies just have this unrealistic story about how You know, you'll see things like overnight success. And I think that's just not fair. I think it's unrealistic. It gives an unrealistic perspective to new business owners. So I'm never really that uncomfortable talking about what I've done wrong and what I keep doing wrong because I think that it helps everyone else out there, even if it's just to say, okay. Someone else out there isn't perfect. I'm not perfect. I am a really, I fail a lot of times. So I don't want you to ever think that you can't go out, try something. And if you fail, then that's the end of the world. It's really not the end of the world. It matters only what you learn from that experience. Business isn't always sunshine and puppies 24 seven, nor should it be because then everyone would be an entrepreneur. Everyone would be a business owner and who the, who are we going to sell to? It would just be a B2B environment, you know? So <laughs> we'll get to the meat of this right now. Here are my fails, recent fails, some not that recent, but also failing right now at. So the biggest one financially has been trade shows. I have worked very hard to expand my sales ability, and it's just, it's not there. I've stopped fighting it. I've stopped fighting to pretend that I'm a salesperson and I'm not. And I know that sounds kind of defeatist, but I've been trying to reformat my brain a little bit in the thinking that instead of trying to be everything in the business, I should really focus on the things that I am good at and delegate the things that I'm not good at to people that are. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And I think that it's been a rough road for me to learn that sales are just a big weakness for me. 
And no matter how many books I read or how many courses I take, it's just, it's not in me. And that's okay. But I have spent $20,000 on trade shows throughout the years. <laughs> uh, my first trade show, I got there on Kickstarter. Actually, I got there through Kickstarter, I should say. And, you know, truth be told, it was, I think, $4,000 for the booth space. And the year before, I had made $6,000 gross. So it was really difficult. And it was really hard that the year that I did my first trade show, I had spent almost as much as I had made the year before to get there. And I left with no sales written. Oh my God. I, I did cry. I cried. I'm not going to lie. It was heartbreaking. I did get a couple residual sales after, but I don't think I've ever directly gotten my money back from that show. And I've <laughs> glutton for punishment that I am. I've gone through multiple trade shows. I did one that I broke even, and maybe I made a little bit of profit on it. But overall, yeah, I've spent about $20,000 and I have never recouped those costs. The lesson I learned from that is that if I don't have a sales team behind me or at least one person that is a really dedicated and accomplished salesperson that I have to focus that money elsewhere because it's just a pit of money. It's a lot of money. You know, obviously, thankfully, I gross more than $6,000 a year now. <sighs> that would be insane if that was still the case. But even still, it's a really big hit to take every year and it, it could go better. That money could be spent smarter and that's what I'm doing this year. So the second thing is I originally priced my products based on what other businesses in my field were pricing theirs at. And this isn't, I guess my thinking was that I would be able to directly compete with them and I would be able to earn a profit from that. And that just wasn't the case. I don't know the back end of my competitors' businesses. I, you know, the ones that I'm friends with, I know a little bit about, but I don't know anything about financials. And consequently, you know, on the other side of that, they don't know anything about my financials. And back then I didn't know anything about my financials either. Um, I never really thought about overhead or paying myself or even the cost of supplies and everything that went into that, you know, labels or packaging or websites, things like that. I never thought about it. I just thought I had a sort of me too mentality. Oh, okay. They're charging this for their soap. I'm going to charge that too. And I never thought about actually sitting down to price out the materials and all of the costs that went into making that soap. Consequently, I wasn't able to support myself and I was barely able to support the business. Um, it was really difficult. I had to kind of sit down at the end of a year, maybe three three or four years ago, I can't remember which the one was, and I said, okay, this is not working, and if I want to keep going, something's got to change. What is going to change? And I actually sat down, and I'm terrible at math, guys. I'm not even going to pretend. I am terrible at math, but I sat down. I created a spreadsheet that had 
all of the things that needed to be calculated in it figured out and I just put everything in. I put the supplies, I put the packaging, I put my time in, which was a huge thing. You really have to make sure that you add that. Just please do that. And overhead. Overhead's tricky because, you know, things can change and that's totally fine. But as long as you're putting something in for that, then I really think it's better than nothing. And once I did that, I saw that not only was I underpricing some products, but I was really in the hole. I was really not doing business in a smart way. So that was a big eye-opener. Consequently now, my pricing is more on point with where it needs to be. It's a little tough, and I don't know if some of you feel this way, but sometimes I feel like I'm overcharging. Oh my god, I hope somebody buys it. I hope somebody really buys it and really likes it. It's hard for me to value my work appropriately, I guess. So figuring out your cost actually helps. It helped me, and I hope it would help you take a step back and say, okay, if I can't charge what it needs to be priced at, should I put it in the market or should I start looking to target another audience that would pay for that? Just something to think about. One that I'm failing at right now, right now, today, tomorrow, and until October 1st when it's due, um, I'm working on a project for Birchbox. And if you don't know what Birchbox is, it's a subscription service that people will pay for and I, I don't know the cost. I, I think it's like 20 bucks a month and every month you pay 20 bucks and Birchbox will send you a collection of beauty samples. The good thing about this is that you get to try new brands and you get to experience new products or, you know, if you're lucky, you get samples of products that you already love and, you know, who doesn't love more of a good thing. The good thing for businesses like me is that it reaches a broader group than I would ever be able to reach. And actually that's where I put the money for trade shows into this year because it, I'll talk about um, subscription boxes in another episode down the line, but essentially this is marketing and marketing costs money. Birchbox costs a lot of money to make. There are, I mean, look, I'll just be honest. There are 42,000 samples that have to be sent by October 1st. And Here's how I failed. I am doing them all by hand, by myself. It's insane. I don't know why I do these things. I was listening to a podcast a while ago with Shalene Johnson, who is a fitness guru. Uh, Jackie Damp talked about her in episode two, but she's also a marketing maven. She's amazing. Uh, she was on the Smart Passive Income podcast with Pat Flynn, just talking about how she would do the graphic design and she would do the customer service and she would do blah, 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 blah. She had a multi-million dollar business. She says she thinks she did it because she wanted the credit. And that, oh my God, that hit me right in the feels when I heard that because I think that's what I want. I think that I want people to look at me and go, oh my God, you made 42,000 samples by yourself. That's insane. And you know what? That is insane. That is so totally stupid. I should have delegated that out to a manufacturing company. I should have brought on other people to help me fill this if I wanted to fill it by hand still. This was not a smart use of my time as a business owner. And it's something that, you know, I'm 
I'm halfway through right now, and it will be done in the time that it needs to be done. But once this is over with, this that's it. I, I'm really going to focus on working myself out of the business and delegating more. And the last thing, well, not the last thing, I'm sure that there will be more, but the last one I wanted to talk about today is, I don't know if you know this, but I have another blog called beautyqueenhq.com, and it's, you know, Handmade Brooklyn is more about the business side of my life, and Beauty Queen is more of the beauty junkie side of my life. You know, sometimes I talk about the ingredients that are in products, what they're doing in there, why are they in there. I try and break down industry jargon and things like that. And I also review beauty products. But one of the things I wanted to do was a vodcast for that, or, you know, a video podcast about different products and creating formulas that duplicate those products. And that'll happen eventually, but it hasn't happened yet. And I've had this idea since maybe May, April or May. And it sucks because I could have, even if I did it once a month, it would be done, you know? And I think that one of the reasons that I'm not doing this correctly, or one of the reasons that I have not done it yet, is something called paralysis by analysis. And if you haven't heard what that is, essentially paralysis by analysis, it's pretty self-explanatory. It means that you have this idea but it never gets off the ground because you just keep analyzing it and you keep breaking it down and thinking, well, what if this and what if this? What are all the things I have to do? And it just, it stops you from going ahead with it. You should always try and do an MVP, which is a minimum viable product. Just get it out there, just sell it, and then work on it as you go. And that's something that I haven't done for this video podcast. I really want to get on that. And I'm hoping that when I delegate out more products for my, for MSC, that I can really start spending the extra time that I'll have working on the video podcast for Beauty Queen HQ. And I'm hoping that I can accomplish that by working on incorporating it into the schedule, outsourcing parts of it that I can, um, you know, things like video editing and stuff like that. Although I really want to learn how to do that just as a nerd. I really am interested in that. I like editing my podcasts, and I think I might like editing my video podcast, even though I'd have to look at myself, and I'm not a fan of myself on video, but I think I gotta put on my big girl pants and just get over that. So that's just a quick run over of things that I've done incorrectly, and I hope that it helps you realize that not everyone is perfect, no one is perfect, especially when it comes to businesses. So. If you see someone having a shiny, happy story about their success, just know that you're only getting one side of the story. There's a lot going on in the background that has been a stumbling block or a failure. Don't let it get to you. If you fail or if you stumble, don't let it get to you either. It doesn't matter that you failed. It matters that you learn from it. So again, thanks so much for listening. And, and check out the show notes, leave a comment. I'd love to hear what you thought about this and I'll talk to you in the next episode. Take care.